What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Middle call! Hey, behave! Now, batting. Gottlieb got me to say his name on national TV. But he's on national TV all the time. Promo code ham. Classic. It was one of those classic, uh, I'll play it later in the show, John. All right, Middlecoff says he's going to watch. I'm about to find out if he's watching moments. You tweeted some eye emojis. For those that didn't watch, Haberman went national. I'm shocked we even got him back on the podcast. Fox Sports 1, Oregon clinch conference championship regular season. And then it uh, comes to my attention that my name was said on the broadcast. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I really would have been. I was out at dinner with a lady friend. Yeah. And uh, so it just, I, I had tried the, the place I was, the establishment I was at, but it was one of those. It was just confusing for the people. No, and it's, it's, it's a lot uh, going on. I don't expect it. I, uh, uh, but I knew going in, Gottlieb was going to try and get me to say your name on the air. And I was trying to prepare myself for it. But it's just too much other stuff going on to spend much time thinking about how I'm going to navigate that situation. You're trying to call a game. You got Well, you know, yeah. Some, I mean, you know, I'm just, I don't want anyone to think you're I'm like Fox using Sports this, One, guys. Yeah. I don't want anyone to think I'm using this platform for self promotion, even though I happily yeah. would. I mean, it's Bayless, it's uh, Coward, it's, uh, you know, Gus Johnson and Haberman. Middlecoff and Gottlieb. But I will play the audio later. I've got it here, and we can uh, judge. We can we can go through it. It played out over like th- the other thing. It played out over like three and a half minutes because he kept trying to get me to say it. <laughs> and he finally uh, he finally backed me into a corner I couldn't get out of. But it worked out. It was good. You see Mario Cristobal? Uh, yeah, he was there. He was there. He was at the game. Spring football started Thursday for the Ducks. Have you seen? I saw. I what's could, the AD, what's the AD's name? Uh, Rob Mullins. You become friends with him. I did not see him yesterday, but we've become. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he would uh, know me if he saw me. He, he knows Guy Haberman. I like that guy. Yeah, I like him too. Um, but 
I don't know if you saw. I just because I was reading the newspaper because I was in Eugene. A photo. He's the, play, he's the playoff committee chair, right? Yeah. Although I think he. I don't know if he has Siphoned one. Out he might have this turned year. out. Yeah. yeah. But I saw a photo of Panay Sewell's brother Noah, who's a true freshman, bigger than he was standing next to Cristobal. He's six two, two fifty four, true freshman the, linebacker. The, li- the linebacker. Yeah. He's already he's already on campus. Yep. Is, is it safe to say that they have high hopes for their football team in the next couple of years? Yeah, it is safe to say that. <laughs> like, I mean, is it safe to say Oregon? They've been in the Final Four in the last several years, or no? Was Elite Eight? They went to the Final Four four years ago. Okay. That this upcoming year, I they are having they have a new quarterback. Oh, you wait, you're talking about losing. Oregon or the the football team or the basketball team? I, I, no, I'm talking about the basketball oh, okay. team. I'm just trying to put it into context. This is their most hyped team, maybe since that Mariota just just team, or maybe that Oregon basketball this, team. Of I four think or five this years last ago. year's football team was pretty hyped. You think this last year's Oregon team they is going to be more hyped than 10. this year? Yeah, they, they were. Herbert they started with back. Auburn. You remember the team that made the Final Four? Now that I'm thinking about it, who who's the guy they lost with a knee injury? Didn't the Warriors draft him, Boucher? Yeah, right in the in the conference tournament or something, right? He blew out his knee, right. and then they still made the run because uh, Jordan Bell. I don't know if you've noticed, Dylan Brooks. He he struggled to stay in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's a red flag guy if you're on arguably the highest level team in NBA history, and they have to suspend you. For charging incidentals to your assistant coach. That's a weird situation, isn't it? It's one yeah, of the weirder very, ones. Very weird. And people are like, oh, they're blowing it out of proportion. Well, if they suspend you, it's usually like, I don't know if it's a funny joke. Also, like, who knows? You always, you know, the, the, the thing that becomes public is always like the fifth thing. Right? Yeah. There's always like nine yeah. other things before it. People are like, why are they making such a big deal of this? Maybe he'd just been doing it consistently. Like, it's just, it's just kind of a low-level thing to do. But it's just... How cool is that place? Yeah, well, I got this in headlines. There's a bunch of stuff in headlines, including the audio that I mentioned and your Twitter suspension. Twelve hours, yeah. you made it back. You look, you look like a different man, John. Well, I, I we'll get into All it. Right, I, we'll I caved. You, you can fight. You, you can go to court. I, I basically, I got a uh, the equivalent of I got a ticket probably like a couple months ago for texting. Oh yeah, I remember while that. driving, and I, I deserved it, and I just recently paid it. It's like you can go fight it to court, and I guess you know people fight things all the time that they're actually guilty for. Yeah, uh, but I just I paid the hundred and fifty bucks or whatever, and just kind of tip my hat. That's kind of that's Twitter suspension. You remind me, up. I got a juror duty uh, notice here for anyway. All right, uh, you figure a way out that of that. Sucks. Civil servant. Okay, uh, a lot to get to here. Let's actually start with. I think th- for all the complaining about the NBA, it's kind of getting interesting here now in March. And this weekend was a great NBA weekend, Middlecoff, because we had Kyrie Irving's coach mutual part, but it felt like said, I'm out of here. I've had enough of this shit. I'm out. <laughs> Meanwhile, LeBron says he plays for the fans. He's not going to play an empty arena. What, you got, really quick on Kyrie's coach. Well, hold on, I'll, just, I'll set like- it all up and then we can dive in. <laughs> because LeBron actually, my, my point of bringing up LeBron is I do have a, an appreciate. LeBron, I think, is he is... Uh, I mean, we got to appreciate LeBron James. Like, what he's doing right now is pretty special. And it's funny because there was once upon a time they were on the same team and people picked sides. And it was easy to kind of make LeBron to be the bad guy. And I'm not saying there has to be a bad guy, but one thing is clear. Like, I know Kyrie hit the shot. LeBron James was, um, as they've moved on and the, the, the careers have gone in different directions... <laughs> 
the fork in the road. Like LeBron has just continued to be LeBron. And Kyrie, who I don't know if Kyrie will ever be near that stage again, John. I guess it depends on KD. Well, he gets hurt all the time, one. And two, he's clearly, I don't know, an asshole. Is that, is that, is that a way to say it? Like, I think Kevin is tough. I think Kyrie is pretty well documented. Just people don't really like him. I also think, is LeBron having one of the great just fuck-you-all motherfucker-type seasons? Like, you guys forgot about me? Because last year, in fairness, it was like 16 years in, he hurt the growing, and we're like, you know, is this going to just be an injury after injury? Bingo! (laughs) Nice little growing injury. Their team was awful. He tried to make trades. Magic quit. Weird shit was going on last year with the Lakers. He's come this year. They pulled the trigger. Polinka's got an extension, and he's, I, I think, the last couple weeks, I feel like I've watched like three or four Laker games these last two weeks. Yeah. He has beaten the shit out of people. I mean, he destroyed the Greek freak the other night. And today... Sunday. Sunday. That fourth quarter guy was like Michael Jordan's, ver- like LeBron's version of Michael Jordan. Like, I'm the best player in the world. Every Everyone get out of my way. Kawhi, you're pretty damn good. But Paul, Anthony Davis, you're not in my world. And just, I, I'm the best. And it was just... Guy, he is such a remarkable. Obviously, he can. I mean, he's. I, I, I think he's averaging like twenty-eight points. I checked the last like ten games. I mean, he can score thirty with his eyes closed. His passing is fucking incredible. Mm. Like they say, Magic's like the greatest passer of ever. John Stockton, Jason Kidd, like all these guys. Like, how is LeBron James not the greatest passer of all time? Then doesn't it look in the gra- flow of like an in the flow of an offense? Yeah, I mean, right? I didn't look. Magic's prime was pre my memory, uh, and part of it pre my existence. But I do think there's probably a similarity. I would need a uh, historian, an older person, to tell me if this is on track or not. But bigger guys like those two guys who are great passers, you just have a physical ability to make passes that even Steph and Jason Kidd can't make, right? Just because you're massive, but you yeah. pass like a six two guy, like. I mean, he had 30, 37, 8, and 7 against Milwaukee on Friday. Giannis had 32 and 11. Then he had 9. He almost had a triple-double on Sunday against the Clippers. He joined Kareem and Carl Malone on the 34,000-point tier. Um, so I don't even, you know, like... I, I feel pretty comfortable saying, Guy, beside Michael... Because you and I, it's like Larry Magic. I know how great they are. I've seen the documentaries. I, I did not watch their prime in my sport in my sports watching prime. Which, luckily for a sports watcher, your prime goes from about about twelve till you die. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. You just get to. But but that pre twelve, you might if you were born in like seventy, you're like ah, I just miss Mickey, you know, or born in eighty, like I ah, just meet miss Pete Rose. You just miss some guys, and so I, I go post Michael. I think, and there's been a group of Shaq, you know, Kobe, Duncan. I mean, those are three of the top, I don't know what. Kobe and Duncan are top 10 players. Shaq's probably a top 15 player. I think LeBron is easily the second best player I've ever watched. I agree. I don't think there's any question. Easily. Yep. And and, and one I think I do respect, and he drives me nuts sometimes when he, he does some weird shit, but it's like I, I can't relate to being that famous. You do have to respect he had a legit knock early on in his career. He couldn't shoot. Couldn't shoot. Guy, he's a really good shooter now. 
I, I don't know what the fucking analytics tell me. I mean, the analytics wouldn't be terrible to him, but I mean, yeah, he's not Steph or Clay. But when he shoots, I think it's going in. He fucking thinks it's going in. And you know what? It goes in a lot. Like, he's become a pretty dangerous three point. He just. You have to respect and admire his drive to become a better player. One, and that's, isn't no that doubt. what, like, the Tiger, the Michaels, the Tom? Like, he's on the short list of, like, guy, it's year 17, and he clearly is not just like, you know. February of year 17, we're going to be in the playoffs. I'm going to fucking just eat ice cream for a couple weeks. You know, I uh, I didn't love him going to L.A. just because the Lakers were are always relevant. I wanted, I like when there's the most relevant teams you can have, like in terms of just numbers. of That means there's more games that are watchable, all that stuff. But I do think it turns out, one thing I was thinking Sunday watching him is when you are at the mountaintop, there's only so many people that you want to impress. And ideally, you're not trying to impress anybody. You're just out there doing your thing, and your standard is what motivates you. But being in L.A., there are just more people in Los Angeles that that LeBron feels like are on his level, right? And I just wonder if that has helped him on a daily basis just enjoy the show a little more because it's like, look, I, I got people in the crowd that I think it's cool that they're here all the time. And uh, maybe it's been good just for the level of LeBron that we get. Now, you would say historically, he's just brought it mostly all the time. And that's what I think through all the other shit, sometimes the things he says and the fact that he uh, has gotten coaches fired and all that. But a lot of great players have done it. It's not to apologize for it, but I just, in the end, I don't know how many more years we get. He is still at his peak. It's insane. (laughs) Well, here's what we know. Like you just said. He's not the first. He definitely won't be the last getting coaches fired. And he's done it a couple times. But like with Kyrie, who just... Oh, yeah, your Kyrie Kenny Atkinson point. Well, like to me, it was worth selling your soul for Kevin Durant, assuming he's a, he comes back 100% healthy. Like if he's 95% of what he was, it was worth the risk. But Kyrie's, it's been proven, unless LeBron's by his side, it he is not worth getting in bed with because he's... A questionable human. He's hurt all the time. When I say questionable human, I just mean like, he just seems kind of like an asshole. Just people just don't like him, right? He's just weird. And, and, and listen, we're all weird, but this guy got fired. It's just, yeah. I think me, the Warriors liked being Kevin's teammate by and large. Yeah, I think they like Kevin Durant. Like, I, I just, how many people like like Kyrie Irving? And to me, if you're going to get coaches fired consistently, like if Kevin wants to get a coach fired, you know, he's Kevin fucking Durant. With Kyrie guy, I, I'm on the fence of like, I'm letting this guy dictate what I'm doing. And this is the shitty part about the NBA. And I think why some of their players feel very out of touch is because at least in the 90s, when again, Magic got a coach fired in 1981. Michael, it happened, Michael and Doug Collins had a bad breakup originally in Chicago and they, you know, reconnected later on he became the coach of the Wizards but if you're gonna be that guy you better fucking du- like this guy can lead me to a champion Kyrie can't like LeBron's pretty clear like fucking he can take you to the promised land doesn't mean it's always gonna happen but this notion that like I, 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 I can't imagine that Sean Marks the general manager of the Nets is like this kind of because he's not the G let's call it what it is right Kyrie Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant you see that I, I saw a quote from the uh, the interim coach was like, you know, I'm just a vessel. <laughs> I, I, I'm here just to be a vessel for them. Mm. Like, no, bro, you're a coach. Like, our basketball players, and you just did a college game last night, college basketball players are still allowed to get coached hard. They don't have the juice, right? They get yelled at. 
from Coach K to Dana Altman to every coach. Calipari. Worth their salt is screaming Calipari at just somebody had a screaming match with a guy on the bench the other day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he screams at people all the time. When we were growing up, like, coaches, Don Nelson, uh, Phil Jack, whoever could yell. Like, Phil yells at guys, or did. Not, he wasn't the, Rick Carlisle still kind of does. It just doesn't exist anymore. You're not allowed to really question these guys because they have so much juice. But what, to me, what's crazy, like Kenny Atkinson, who was pretty clearly viewed in the NBA circles as a pretty high-level coach, you sign Kyrie and Kevin to four. It, I, I'd understand if they were on like one-and-ones. So you're like, well, we got to fucking bite the bullet. They're on four-year contracts. So like what, you just, it's just not worth it to have them have a coach that they don't want. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. Like when does it ever end? No, uh, none of these coaches are perfect for these guys because you can't question the, the coach can't really coach them. Well, it 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 there's no end. There's just guys that can be coached and guys that can't, and that's what makes it is kind of a warrior's appreciation. Do you think football will ever get close to that, or it's just impossible just because of how important football coaches are? Yeah, I think it's hard. They control every single play. Basketball, how many play? You don't call plays. Like, did was Doc I mean, Rivers running plays today? I mean, <laughs> you do, <laughs> especially sideline out of bounds and baseline out of bounds slob and blob but two quick things john real other thoughts on this one i think it does set up to really be we always keep asking can kevin durant recover from the last thing that will he ever get the respect like if he gets in the nba finals next year with this team i do think it's set up pretty well like clearly they need kevin durant every team that's ever great needs multiple great players um uh, maybe it sets up to be a pretty to, to be a year that Kevin gets a lot of respect next year. It's just going to be hard think, physically, but do you, do you think it was one million percent worth the risk of doing going down the rabbit hole of Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan to get Kevin, uh, even coming off a torn Achilles? Do I th- obviously 100- if he's he- obvi- if he's healthy, it's a no. I think it's worth. But- I, I mean, I what were the Nets? I, I, yeah, yes, yeah. but. But this is the more likely scenario. But I, you know, should you do it? You probably should. But again, this is this is probably what ends up happening. Now you could argue the counter is like the if you just build, just be the try and be the Raptors, just build your team. You're going to have a shot. And they I, were I, trending I, in the right direction. And people think I, Kenny Atkins is a good coach. I know. I I still believe there's a place like. So maybe not. To, you know? to me, Kyrie and Kevin and even LeBron, like a lot of guys do get along with coaches, right? Yeah. Like Damian Lillard gets along with guys. Steph gets along with guys. Uh, feels like Luka, and he's young. That's probably a bad example. But, you know, the guys in Boston beside fucking uh, Kyrie get along with Brad Stevens. Like a lot of high-level guys get along with their coach, right? They're, they allow the coach dynamic. And I think there are certain superstars who's their – and, and LeBron, there's a balance with him. I, I, I'm not even going to throw him in this. But like Kyrie, like, I don't know. Yeah, you I, might be. It probably, I, maybe it's not. Unless you win a championship. But at this moment, it doesn't feel worth it. And I don't think they're going to win a championship. I, I can't take Kyrie seriously. Uh, lat, here, just answer this question and then we'll move on. A uh, couple DMs I'm going to work into the show today. This is from uh, a listener, Kyle Burka. Remember we met Kyle at, uh, the, uh, at Pebble Beach. He said, uh, he DM'd me the other night. He said, late night idea generation if you're looking for pod content courtesy of Ease. <laughs> what do you think is a more impressive physical feat? Brady still a top-tier quarterback at 43 or LeBron still a top two or three player in the NBA in his 17th season? Quick pick. Uh, I, I would lean LeBron. I, my pick is LeBron based on the... F- I mean, football's obviously very physical, but 
the degree quarterback, you don't have which, to move around that far. So as long as your arm works. And LeBron's carrying a team. Carrying teams. Le- guy, LeBron just moves like he's still 28. Yeah. There were a couple today. I was like, Jesus Christ. What the fuck is this guy eating? Because I just had Taco Bell today. Uh, all right, John, let's move on and tell the people before we do that this podcast is brought to you by Sleep Number. Nine out of ten couples prefer a different mattress firmness from Feather Soft to Firm. You can adjust each side of your Sleep Number setting so that it's just right for both of you. Sleep IQ tracks how well you sleep and offers personal insights to your sleep, measures your best sleep, your average heart rate, breathing, and movement. That's why Sleep Number is the move. Guys, sleepnumber.com slash ham. I, uh, Saturday night, was in a sleep number bed. And you can set the settings on different sides. Pretty incredible. Uh, It is a game changer. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. When the Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping and gives you personalized insights for your best sleep guy, how do you beat this? Technology, sleep number, the combination, sleep. I mean, it's just the ultimate combination. Discover smart, effortless comfort with the Sleep Number 360 smart bed. This is not a bed, guy. It's proven quality sleep. Come in now, save up to $600 on a select Sleep Number 360 smart bed for a limited time only at sleepnumber.com slash ham or Sleep Number store. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. That's sleepnumber.com. Slash ham. All right. Uh, Charlie Weiss, the latest to weigh in on Tom Brady, although his insight is that nobody has insight. I do have one scoop for us. I've been texting Tommy. I don't usually pass along these conversations, but one thing he told me is nobody knows anything. So anyone who's telling you they know, they don't know. Then Weiss said, I'm not going to put out any other part of the conversation, but I followed up to Tom and he said, clean it up. So I'm cleaning it up. Is it possible that Tom doesn't know? That they wait for the CBA to get signed, figure out what the Patriots are willing to do, doesn't have a Vrabel plan, doesn't have a Niners plan, doesn't have a Raiders plan, doesn't have a Chargers plan, doesn't have an anything plan? Is that, po- is that possible? I-, I would imagine he has some strong ideas or strong feelings or strong leanings, but I, I think it is fair to say that he does not know in concrete where he's going to play. Though... As of recording this, March 8th, like the time is kind of ticking. This is, we just talked about LeBron. I mean, if Tom is going to make a move, it's going to be one of the biggest moves in the history of sports, wherever he goes. So to think that he would just like, you know, just let it fly. Let's just see what people say. I don't know. There is so much on the line with this human being. Like when LeBron has done stuff, He's calculated because he has to be. He's got more on the line. Like, I, Kawhi just wanted to go to L.A. Like, it wasn't really that complicated. I don't think Kawhi's really that complicated of a guy. Likes hooping, has some injuries, likes fucking load manage, plays hard in the playoffs, wants to win a championship. If he doesn't, he'll be rich, and he's already got some finals MVPs. You know? But I think LeBron, like, there's a legacy at play. Well, Tom, his legacy, if he does leave, because someone asked me, like, on a DM, who's got more on the line if he leaves? And I, if B- B- Belichick or Brady. Yeah. And I would say, well, Belichick, he could probably coach five, six more seasons, where Tom's probably only playing a couple more, you'd think. Like, he ain't, I mean, is Tom playing until he's late 40s? You'd think it's going to come to an end sooner or later. <laughs> there, There's going to be a small, finite, like, Bel- let's say Belichick next year 
plays with Andy Dalton or Jared Stidham or just some random quarterback and goes seven and nine. He would get he'd be like, oh, he can't win without Brady. And Brady goes to the Titans and is one and done with the Titans, right, in the playoffs. But then in two years, Belichick comes back with fucking Trevor Lawrence or trades for Jimmy Garoppolo or just whoever. And it's like, boom, he's back in the Super Bowl. Like, Belichick just has more time, theoretically, than Tom. Like, Tom would be, like, it's, all of his chips are in the middle of the table if he moves. Where Bell, he, he could kind of do a pivot year. Or even, hell, how much credit would he get if, like, he went 9-7 and seven with Stidham and they were, like, the seventh seed? Yeah, I, I, I agree with your assessment, first of all, that Tom would have more. Because I think it's gotten to the point, if you, if you made people choose who is more responsible for the Patriots' dynasty, and, and by the way, the correct answer is both. You, they, neither does it without the other. But if you had to choose, you can go back to the last 20 years and have one of them. Who would most people take? Would they take Bill or would they take Tom? I think they take Bill. I would. Uh, who would you take? I would take Bill. I would take Bill too. And we like, both don't you think, think Tom's Bill the greatest was de- quarterback. Bill of all was. Time. Bill was destined to win big. Now would Bill, if he had ended up with Matt Stafford or fucking Michael Vick or wh- whoever, would he have won six? Of course not. But I, I think with most quarterbacks, he would have had multiple by this time and probably won a couple because he's that good, right? I got this uh, DM on Instagram from Lane the Pain, John. He says, is there a chance, this one kind of, he said, is there a chance Belichick blew my mind? Belichick planned this all along, knowing that Tom was going to want to come to the Niners so he'd get Jimmy back, all while keeping Kraft happy by trading him and keeping Tom for a couple more years. <laughs> I've, been asked, I've been asked that a couple really? times like that. It's just, yeah, it's too much. It is too much. <laughs> too much. I mean, that would be, uh, talk about playing 3D chess. So, he, I, I, I. I see. I I lean. He has got a pretty good idea, at least A or B scenario. Maybe not like I'm going to the Titans right now, but if this doesn't work out, I'm going here. Yeah, I, and it's already set up. I think he is because still is still going to consider going to the Patriots, and knows if he doesn't go to the Patriots, what his other option or options that he would do is. Because we've already talked about it, there is time is not on his. The quicker he can make a decision helps his that team wherever he's going to go surround him with what's needed, yeah. right? Do you? Because if he's go if he's going to the Titans, I, I guess they would just let Tannehill go and they franchise Derrick Henry, right? Because so it would be an easy move. Do you think that he is still open to going back to the Patriots? I would say yeah, I think so too. Because Bill goes, I got this, this, we'll sign you for this, and here are the two moves we're going to make. He's like, I'm in. Because the, the one element that even if that someone's like, God, your, uh, your nanny analogy the other day was a little hard to follow. Like, yeah, it was a little complicated. The, the, the difference in this analogy of the Bill and Brady, their relationship, there is another human. It'd be like... Uh, <laughs> it'd be like having an open relationship. Like you can have other partners. Like Josh McDaniels... Is a if they were two if they were like lovers like Josh McDaniels also a lover, <laughs> so it's like well I can just spend a lot of time with Josh McDaniels and I I, I do think that Tom it's like one of those like, shows where there's they you live with like three wives in the same house exactly and I I do you agree that Tom would if Josh was the head coach for this for the Patriots would you go like he's a lock to come back like if Bill had just retired oh, they yeah. named Josh the head coach yeah. what would you say what would you say Tom's gonna do yeah. Isn't Josh his guy? Like, when you think Tom's guys, who do you think? Like, Edelman, Welker, McDaniels. <laughs> right? I, I, I put, like, Josh McDaniels in that little crew. Like, he's just, 
he's one of the guys. I, I actually think that Josh probably gets invited, you know, whenever Tom takes them all to the Kentucky Derby. And it's like Kingsbury, J- uh, Jimmy, uh, what the dude for the Colts, Vrabel Brissette, goes. Jacoby yeah, Welker, Edelman. I would imagine Josh gets invited, but knows, like, you know, Bill get fucking weird about it, so he can't go. Or maybe he just doesn't, he's not in the photo. No pictures. Do you think he goes, though? No. Do you think part of it would be like, it just Bill would get mad? I think if not he mad, were the OC it, of another team, he would go. I agree. Like, you think Vrabel gives a shit? <laughs> not one. He doesn't give one fuck. And I think Josh probably wants to go because it probably looks pretty fun. Tom's like, yeah, you meet us here in the private jet takes us to the Kentucky Derby with all these guys. Unlimited alcohol. We're the most famous people there. It's awesome. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, I'm in every year. <laughs> and they always go back. But, and but there's jo- no if, way that- if Josh really wants to live that life, like he's had several opportunities to get out from under well, Bill's thumb, quote unquote. Well, it's, it, but it's just one of those things like. They're give and take in any situation in life. You're like, yeah, I can't do this yet. I mean, but if, if Tom leaves and Bill keeps going, like Josh is five years away from becoming a head coach if he wants to take over the Patriots. But this year got a little weird, right? It was like, well, did the Panthers not want to hire him? Did he turn down the Browns? Like, is he getting to the point now where he, is he always going to get these interviews or is just probably as long as they're well, good? I mean, if he wins nine or ten games with Jared Stidham next year. They go ten they and go, six with if, Jared Stidham. If if Brady leaves and they go ten and six with Jared Stidham and their offense is good, how would you not hire him? Because the one thing you would say is, well, well, you could try. Bill's the, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, how would he would get a lot of credit, right? Because we all like Bill's involved, but that's his offense, right? Like Bill's not every day coaching the quarterback center exchanges. Well, though people might say, well, actually, he is. <laughs> you know? You should come to our practice. I wouldn't put it past him. I, there is a chance that if they did go Jared Stidham, would Belichick be more involved in the offense? But he's all isn't Belichick the defensive coordinator now? I mean, they have, guy they have like seven coaches is, on the staff. Is Bill saying to Josh McDaniels, "Hey, what should we do at quarterback?" Or is this a unilateral? Like, if 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 Tom doesn't come back, what should we do? Or is this a unilateral bill decision? I got to think Josh has some input here. I, w- I would, but whenever I've talked to people that I, I know no one with the Patriots, beside Dante Skarnecchia, who played college football at the junior college with my uncle, and I ran into him at the combine, I was like, Dante, I thought you retired. It's like, I'm Lou Amendola's nephew. And then he lights up, and you can tell the other Patriots, like, we're not allowed to talk to non Patriot people. They just screw you away. Dante's like 75, doesn't give a shit. And he literally just retired, but he's still working for him. You talk to people, though, that know the Patriots. they just like, well, they always bet against people when they leave because they're like, yeah, Bill, just, it's always Bill's decisions. <laughs> you know, it's not like – I think Andy's like a universal. Like, oh, what do you think, Brett? What do you think, Kafka? You know, what do you think? It's like a group. Like, you just talk. I, I don't know if – guy, they're notorious. They don't let scouts in the draft room. <laughs> There's like three people. <laughs> it's like Bill, Kraft, and Jonathan, and, and probably fucking Bon Jovi. And that's it. That's in Casario. It's not normal. They they do not do things normally. I'll never forget being at the combine, and my last year, and the Patriots right next to us, and we had a weird box too because Chip had just got there, so it was like kind of fake. Everyone trying to be friends, but we just looked at the Patriot box, and it looked like they were all being held hostage. It was like God, that place looks miserable. And everyone says like you try to get out, but it's like you guys win a lot, but everyone tries to leave, guy, except Josh. 
it's just a it's a it's a unique environment of anger meets winning meets just Bill's just not the happiest go lucky guy. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Bill's just not Mister Happy. I, like that's just it's just not his deal. Like Saban, I talk, I ran into Nussmeier at the combine, and I was like, "What was it like working those two years for Nick?" He's like, "It's fucking intense, man." And he likes him. And he technically, I don't know if he got fired or however it worked out, but he really, he's like, it was the best two years of my life. He's like, when he's there, and he's not, and I was like, you know, he doesn't work crazy hours, right? He's like, yeah, he's, he's not six to midnight. Like, he's eight to seven. But he's like, that eight to seven? I, what was, he's like, he, he didn't bring up the book, but he quoted the line. He's like, it's every minute's fourth and goal. This, a meeting, you, you turn in the hallway, practice. He's just on it. So everyone's on edge. And I think Bill is the same. I, it's look, a the only different. The, the question is, is Tom Brady willing to leave because of all of that if if he doesn't think somebody else can give him the best chance to win? Is he thinking, I, I, you, I got a year or two left. I want it to be more fun. Don't you think Bill thrive? Don't you think Tom kind of thrives in yeah, that environment? I, I don't think though? he is leaving unless he thinks he has a better chance to win somewhere else, or at least the equal chance. And if he thinks he's got an equal chance and it's more fun, okay. But I do think what has made Tom great is what Bill Belichick can appeal to if he wants Tom back, which is we can do the best here for you. We've done it. I'm the best. Like, okay, I thought you liked Josh. Don't you know I'm the best coach in the NFL, maybe in the NFL's history? So if you're going to walk away from this, it's going to be harder for you to win a championship. Who do you think would last longer if they just put us in just random roles with the Patriots, you or myself? Uh, it's a good question. You, you might, honestly. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I've heard. It, I've heard. I've heard it's really just hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even if you're. Just, I mean, high level people wash out. Like it's. I think we have some similarities, right? Need our sleep. Uh, need That'll time away. Very, need very need, need be able to walk into a room like in an office. I need to be able to close my door and just be left alone. You know, that's not yeah, I don't ideal. Know if, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know if either. Of Probably not cut out long. for it. No, I'm not. Uh, all right. So one thing that happened, the other NFL kind of quarterback story over the weekend. It happened Friday. Was that uh, Mike Garofolo said that the Raiders are interested in Marcus Mariota? Reports are that they're more likely to go after a veteran. 1B, okay, like air quotes, like a 1A, 1B backup quarterback than Mariota, or like Mariota, than Tom Brady. Garofolo then retweeted, Greg Rosenthal has quoted what Garofolo just said and tweeted it, and then Garofolo retweeted and said, Mayock's number one QB ranked in 2015 was Mariota. Mariota will have other options, and the Raiders will explore other QBs, so there's no guarantee it comes together, but he's in the mix for sure. So he's saying the Raiders might be more likely to go, you know what? We're not getting Tom. We love him, but we're not getting him. So let's just go with a, not a backup, but a 1B, and then kind of just see what happens. Well, if you're Marcus Mariota, I don't think you're going to be a starter in 2020. I think those days have passed. But I saw Benjamin Albright tweet this, is that he's heard that a lot of teams look at him like a pretty good reclamation project. And you and I have talked that teams like, we thought Seattle, Kansas City, Green Bay, he's the ideal type guy to get like on a two-year. I don't know. Again, I don't know his market. Could you get like two years 
18 million, you know, like nine a year to be the backup, but like guarantee, you know, like 13 or 14. And he, and kind of use him ideally to like resurrect them and then flip in the offseason type deal, or maybe even take into next year and then flip. And that's what I think Gruden, who comes from the Ron Wolf school of, or Andy and Holmgren, you're just always accumulating quarterbacks. Like, if, if, if I told you that the Chiefs in, like, the fourth round take Jason, Jacob Eason, that's not, like, abnormal. That's just what, like, the fucking Andy Reid does. He'd be like, he'll just be the backup. They just need a cheap backup. It's not, no one would be like, well, they're just pushing Mahomes. No, it's just, and then what if he just has two unreal preseasons? Someone's like, fuck, Andy fixed Jacob Eason. And they got him for a fourth rounder, and then in two years flips him for, like, a second. I mean, it's, historically, it's happened a lot with Shobbs and I, I'm just, I, he might not be that, or, or from, I'm just using Eason, but it might be from. To me, you can do that sometimes with veteran quarterbacks. And what's, Mariota's a unique veteran quarterback, right? Because he's not old. He started a bunch of games, and he was really terrible last year. Like, he, he couldn't complete screen passes. Like, it was, it had fallen off a cliff. I, I was watching uh, the beginning of the Laker game today with with uh, a lady friend and I said that's Paul George he went to Fresno State and she's like was he a star at Fresno State I'm like no he wasn't she's like how does that how, what's your how sleep did he number? become a star what what's her sleep number <laughs> uh, I don't know I didn't check the setting uh, we were in the bed though and uh, this was late afternoon you know uh, that I said you know Paul he clearly like his physical gifts were there but I think one thing that's very powerful in pro sports is when, one, someone believes in you, right? Like Larry Bird drafted him, and they believed in him. And then once he starts playing well, you kind of get the confidence, and you can get the swag to be a really good player. And I think Mariota's lost two things. He did The last couple of years doesn't really feel like Vrabel, like they didn't really believe in him, one. And two, I just think he lacked, lost his confidence. So if you can get an Andy Reid, a Gruden, whoever, and get those two things back, now, I don't know if he's ever going to be what many people thought he'd be, but he definitely immediately would become an asset, and if he got his, just some of his swag back, he'd immediately be the best backup quarterback in the NFL, right? If Mariota was just a, back to what he was like three years ago. He got, he beat Andy Reid in the playoffs in Kansas City like three years ago. Remember that? Made that fucking touchdown when he ran in? Like, yeah. he made some plays in that game. You don't just randomly I, – I don't you, not that you forget it, but I do think we're all, I've lost my confidence – before different jobs. it's You can get down in the dumps on yourself. It's hard. And as a player, it's different. Like, if you lose your confidence as a broadcaster, you can just talk through it. Like, as a player, you only get so many chances to play. Yeah, but even as a – like, you only get so many shots at whatever you're doing, right? I, I think that's part of losing your confidence is you forget that quote that it's there's an easy way out. But there's actually not. You The only way to get through it is to work through it. I do think – there is the potential that leaving Tennessee would be good for him. Well, I think he's out. Well, I, I know, I mean, but, but what I'm saying is I think leaving Tennessee is going to be good. There's, a, there's the potential yeah. that it's good for him um, because you, I think maybe you can kind of get rid of all the, um, all the expectations that, that frame how good or bad you are, right? Like if Marcus Mariota was a fourth-round quarterback, we wouldn't be debating whether or not his – actually, there is no debate. It was not a success in Tennessee. You just – you're drafted that high. You're on another team in five years. That's not a success. Not even close. Um, but if, if he, he was a fourth round quarterback, he'd be holding on for his career right yeah, now, that's right? True. If he goes into a situation where there's a competition, now that's something else. Like, and he was in one last year, so you could argue maybe 
he's already been in that situation, didn't work out for him. Um, but maybe that just allows him to focus on just that. Let me just go play. I say all that, but I do think Derek, if if he comes in, I think Derek Carr would, quote-unquote, beat him out. I don't think he's better than Derek. I don't think so either. But when you say comp- you think there would be a competition if he signed? Well, n- yeah. Yes. Now, not a here's a quarterback he's competition. Not, he's not sp- splitting the one rep no, at training but, camp. No, but this is inherent to the sport. We bring in yeah. another guy. I don't close like John Gruden isn't closing his eyes when Marcus Mariota practices. Then like I don't care what he does. So I, I think the, con- the contract is the a contract would factor. The contract would also factor in. Like if they sign, if if I told you the Raiders signed him two years, thirty million dollars, you'd be like, whoa. Well, I mean, whatever they sign him to, John, it's like if it's not going great, then everything that Marcus has done then factors into whether or not Marcus plays or not. But I don't think. You know, I mean, if they're uh, if they're four I, and four, and the offense isn't playing well, then we might see Marcus Mariota. But I, I don't, I don't think he would replace Derek. I just, I don't you, think he's better. You, you know, you know, one area where I think it makes a lot of sense. Gruden talked over and over last year, and in hard knocks, and the, those drills that he was doing of Derek being more athletic, using the athleticism that he has, run around, not run past the line of scrimmage, but keep plays alive, right? That was something they harped on in training camp. They did all those drills on hard docks with Gruden chasing them. And I think Derek did a little bit better job this year, but still left some to be desired. Like, you're too good of an athlete to just let plays die. Keep them alive with your feet. What is kind of Mariota the mold, right, of just kind of a move around, kind of the modern day? I wonder if Gruden just thinks, like, maybe I can get my hands on them and resurrect them, and I'd get... Not that he's looking at it to get credit, but he would if in like two years Mariota's starting for him and they're playing well. Gruden would get a lot of fucking credit, right? Like resurrected a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, you're and right. I mean that that in in that way you're saying they could bring him in without even the intention that he quote unquote competes or I think they would like the idea of pushing. But like Derek, you, but, but like you said, there's an elephant in the room of a record dictator. You're three and three and it's, and it's not looking good on offense. That's just what. I don't think he's better than Derek, but that doesn't mean that conversation doesn't start if the Raiders offense isn't playing well. Is there a scenario with the offense isn't playing well and Mariota's on the team, which I, I, I think it would be a very, very smart move to sign Mariota. Like that's, that's what high level teams do. A guy like him, former high draft pick. High character guy. Now he just might not be good enough, but he might. I, I'm not going to totally write him off. If you if you get, we're way ahead of ourselves because Mariota's not even on the team. But if Mariota signed, and there's a situation where Mariota in a game like mid game gets benched for Derek, is there coming back from it, or is it they at the point now where it's like doesn't even, you can go back and forth like whatever? What's Derek going to do? Derek ain't fucking Philip Rivers, right? Yeah. It would be the it would be the most unique situation he's been in since he joined the team, though. Well, he, well guy, he hasn't had any situations he's joined the team, right? Well, he's I mean, he's had coach, like, but his coaching situations have all been weird. What I mean in terms of a quarterback, he's been the starting quarterback, start to finish. Yeah, this, it's not even a question; it's his job. There was the splits, but this, yeah, even though like the uh, Tyler Wilson draft pick was not not was not anything. That no, was just what teams and, and do. Think, That's just a Packers thing. Yeah. When the Matt shot, or yeah, they drafted Connor Cook. He was so terrible, remember? 
That's right. Think about this guy. The, the 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 majority of Carr's career, his backup was McGloin for like four years. Yeah, it was Matt McGloin. Uh, before we get to, we got a lot of headlines here. Before we do that, let's tell you that this podcast is brought to you in part by Manscaped. Woo! Manscaped.com. Use the promo code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code HAM at Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM, guy. You gotta, you just, you, you gotta keep the things trimmed. And you know, the hard part about trimming the cojones is sometimes you get the nicks and the cuts. Well, we were once sent the lawnmower 2.0. Since we've been sent the lawnmower 3.0, and it is by far the greatest trimmer I've ever owned. I think I can speak for you. You've ever owned. It's got a great little USB charger. It's small. It's quiet. Uh, you know, back in like in our college days when you wanted to get one, it was like you had to plug it in, like wrap it around to the to the uh, to the toilet, so you didn't get hair all over the place. That ain't the lawnmower. It is portable, it's small, and it's quiet, and it doesn't nick the body or the cojones. I've done a lot of body shaving because unlike my head, Did you say body I body shaving everywhere. or body shaving? Body shaving. Oh. Yeah, body shaving. I just take my shirt off, look in the mirror. Like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't a good look. But you know what it does look better, guy, is when you're not just a willy mammoth. And that's, I got hair from my back to my butt to my stomach and none on top of my head. But it all gets trimmed off with my lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. 20% off plus free shipping with the code HAM at manscaped.com. All right, time for some headlines. A lot of stuff to get to here, John. A, a, a variety, a, corn, a true cornucopia of uh, headlines on the show today. Let's, uh, let's start with the thing that um, I mentioned at the top of the podcast, which was the game I was doing with your boy Gottlieb on Saturday night. Uh, a little backstory. I'll play some of this for you here, and you'll get more backstory. But basically, Oregon's best player, if you're not a college basketball fan, is a guy named Peyton Pritchard. He grew up a couple. Of, he grew up in Portland. Uh, his best friend since they were like five years old is a guy on the team. He's also on the team. He's a grad transfer. It's his only year with the Ducks, so he's a senior. His name's where's he from? Anthony Mathis. Um, they grew up together. And they. But I'm saying, like, what college did he transfer from? Oh, New Mexico. Gotcha. And um, so he was a Division One dude. Yeah. Big and uh, Peyton Pritchard's parents took Anthony Mathis in in like the seventh grade and became his legal guardians. Wow. So Pritchard's parents actually walked Math- Mathis out on senior night. Also. Uh, so they're very close. So that leads to this. Con- this is only part of it. It actually, this conversation with Gottlieb started like a minute and a half earlier and I kept trying to avoid, but he just kept backing me into a corner. I didn't want to be viewed as a self promoter, but uh, I couldn't get away. So uh, take a listen. Second three. How many times do you think they've done that? 10,000. Malcolm Gladwell. 10,000 hours. Very nice. Nicely done. Uh, they, they're I mean, outliers. Is that what you're saying? They're out- who is who is your Anthony Mathis? <laughs> I, mean, I have an answer for mine. I just want to know yours. Why don't you tell me who mine is? Dante. I don't know who yours is. The question: Who is your uh, Anthony Mathis? Is yours Greg Gottlieb? No. I don't even know what it means. Who is the guy that you've done worked with the most? Who is who is the guy? Oh, you- well, that's easy. Who? Good friend, John Middlecoff. All right. Three announced the podcast. Great podcast. Downloaded on the <laughs> Heard Podcast Network. It's a deal. 
All right, it took a while, but he pulled it out of me. That was good. That was good. I, you think you think he went in with that plan of attack? I know. To say I the name? know he did. I knew yeah. that he did. That's why I was fighting it off. But <laughs> had to be said. And I know there was people listening to that who know who John Middlecoff is, who had no idea who Guy Haberman is, and hopefully I picked up a few Instagram followers because of that. Do, do you think your relationship? Because I mean, I know him through I, people that don't know. I go on a show every week. I've just got to know him the last couple of years. That he knew that you knew me made this major broadcast he, like he just was comfortable or just would have been as normal. Like, did it change anything? Um, you he knew someone mutual, like, because otherwise you wouldn't have known him, right? At all, you'd never met him. I, I've met him once at the final four several years ago because we had we had a mutual friend that's a coach, but not I don't know that guy. I haven't talked to him in years, hardly, you know, it's not even close. So, yeah, I think it's always just when you have a mutual acquaintance or friend or however, whatever people have, you just, you start like at a different place when you begin a conversation. So you've done, you did a game this year with Bill Walton, with Gottlieb. Had a good year. Yeah. Solid year. Solid year. So anyway. uh, All right. The uh, Twitter suspension. Tell us what happened. Okay. There was a tweet. I think I saw Vic Tafer retweeted it. And it said the Princess Diana or whatever that ship was called. They had tested 40 people on the ship of like 3,500. 20 of them came out positive for the corona. And the tweet was like 21 people positive on this ship. And I quoted the tweet. Mm. And I simply said, sink the ship. Mm. Of course, Twitter thinks I met with all the humans. Not, I, I don't mean actual at Twitter. I, I meant just people, people on Twitter. Yeah. People are like, <laughs> the insensitivity! You're a, you are a mass murderer! There's fucking little kids on this! Like, guys, yeah. I, I, take the people off the, 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 uh, the ship. The healthy ones in bubble wrap. The corona ones, I fly them away in a helicopter or something and sink the ship. Because let's be, let's be real. I, I'm not, I don't know anything about the cruise ship industry, I'm pretty sure that that specific ship, and who knows, these things are worth, I don't know, $100 million a ship. The insurance on these ships, ever since that boat called the Titanic went down, I would imagine the insurance premiums for these cruise liners, are, would you Would you guess pretty high? Yeah, I mean, I, I and I think a, uh, the Royal Caribbean Oasis of the Seas ship cost $1.4 billion, $100 million Jesus. Low. Okay, so these are they're really, really about a yacht is like several. Yeah, you're right. It could be like fifty million. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It's you're you're talking like at least basically a mo- like how how much would be like the Ritz Carlton in downtown San Francisco, right? If it was on a ship, but it's even quadruple the size of it. because right. they have like it's, eight restaurants in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so I said sink the ship. People thought I wanted everyone murdered. I did not want everyone murdered. I wanted to sink the ship. Because ultimately, the ship is getting destroyed one way or the other. I don't know. I mean, it's worth a lot of money. Like, they're going to claim that they deep cleaned it and everything's good. I don't think they're going to take it out of service the more I think about it. Yeah, maybe they won't. Maybe it's too expensive. But then... But your point was, this ship is unusable. We've got to get rid of it somehow. Yeah. Like, the ship, it's like, fuck. I'm not a cruise guy, but I'm never getting on that. So, you get some blowback. Twitter overreacts, whatever. I, I wasn't even, honestly, I wasn't even trying to be really funny or whatever. I just like sink the shit. I, I didn't even think about it that much when I tweeted. Course, I really was not that's usually trying how it to get goes. the reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you realize, yeah, I, I guess if I could have rewarded it, I would have said, remove the people, sink the ship. Then there would have been no reaction. 
At about 9 o'clock at night, on Friday night, I get a notice. Maybe I try to log into Twitter as I'm laying down. I go, I'm going to bed early. And I can't get in. And, it's like, and then it takes me to this page. Your tweet has been flagged. And you either can press this button called remove. And it removes the tweet. But it says, like, the tweet has been deleted because of insensitive material or whatever. So I, I don't necessarily, like, you're backing away from the tweet, middle cuff. Like, I, I'm not deleting the tweet. It's forcing me to do it. <laughs> or you can appeal the suspension. So my first move is, like, okay, I'm going to appeal the expense, suspension. So I appeal it. I press appeal. And then you write why you're appealing. And I'm like, listen, guys, it's pretty clear my several tweets after. I wasn't, it's not about death. I don't want anyone to die. Like, it's, it's very, very clear what I was saying. And then, I, and then I pressed appeal after I wrote that, and I realized you will go to appeal process, and until it's heard, you will be blocked from Twitter. But it didn't give you a timeline, so I'm like, well, could that be like a week? Wow. Like I, until until I it's Periscope. adjudicated. Yeah. Like I, yeah, my business, like I kind of need to know what's going on. Like what if Brady size? Like what if we got to react? Yeah. I don't know. You just, I got to tweet out my, my podcast right the scope the whole thing so i just i, I waved the white flag and i said well they got me by the balls and you know i i, I kind of get where they're coming though i i thought it was a little kind of crazy but what so you took your 12 hours like a man huh <laughs> you know when when people never understand when the guy's like, you do a guilty plea even though you're not guilty just to end it. That's what I felt like I was doing. I just said fuck it, remove it, let me back on. But then I was suspended for 12 hours from seven to seven or eight to eight or whatever the fucking time it was. So it didn't really affect me because it would be the middle of the night. When you're suspended at whatever level I was suspended, you can still scroll Twitter. So I was, I was like, okay, what not that bad. You can't you can't like. You can't retweet, mm. and you can't tweet, mm. but you can still scroll Twitter. You would think your screen time would go down when you're under a suspension, but the answer is it doesn't. So what? do you think I Have was in the wrong? God? Did, I, did I deserve the suspension? Did I do the right thing by just No, you didn't deserve the, deserve the suspension. Yes, you did the right thing. Do you think... Like, you just think that, to yourself, am I dying on this hill? Yeah, no. Everybody is so mad, but only based on the premise that other people are mad too, and so they have to be mad. I think Twitter, specifically with what is perceived as threats or like inciting violence or anger towards a group of people, they're obviously very sensitive to that. I was, I did a little research on what gets people suspended. It tends to be stuff like that, right? Like Alex Jones. You and I, saw, I, I, I read a little bit. I, I read the word violence multiple times. So, so, like, sink the ship? Is that a violent act on the ship? Like, or is it more they're factoring in there might be people I think, on the ship? I think they, they are factoring in that, like, I think it probably fact, it takes into account that people thought that you, like, to me, if a bunch of people are like, oh, yeah, I know what Middlecoff is saying. He's not saying murder people. And there were a bunch of replies. Maybe somebody reported the tweet, like, as offensive. That could have happened. I could see that. I could see that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I no, it's stupid. I know, but stupid enough that it's not worth fighting. There's no doubt about that. And, and you also realize in your moment of like, well, if Twitter kicked me off for good, would I be better or worse off? It's like I am. Depends. Sad to say, I am a little dependent on Twitter business wise. Yeah, worse right? off from a business standpoint. Your health, your mental health might improve. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't get mad at like random shit in the middle of the day. <laughs> I got no business get. I, you realize how many things 
Did we get mad a lot in like 2004? Yeah, I mean, road like, rage has existed in, for the history of yeah, time. But, but I just mean if you were just sitting there at your desk. You I think like, so. I was like, have you seen this letter to the editor? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. My goddamn Wi-Fi! I'm re- I, was no, reading your, I was reading your column. You're you're right. You just got mad at like there's no more fucking water. <laughs> you know, you just get you get mad at other shit. You just your anger. You're gonna get angers. But guy, it's impossible. Like this, like the other day. Like why am I even getting beginning to get mad? Like God damn it, Kyrie got another coach fire. Like why do I even give a fuck? Like what? I don't I don't care about the Nets. I don't care about Kyrie. And I found myself like God, Kyrie and Kevin are fucking ruining my NBA. You know, it's like this fucking Kenny Atkinson got the raw end of the deal. I've heard Kenny Atkinson for like ten minutes on a Woj podcast three years ago. He seemed like well, I know nothing about the guy besides people just seem to like him. And I'm like Kenny Atkinson's getting screwed. And I realized, guy, I'm getting triggered. Over a coach with a Brooklyn fucking Nets getting fired because I think we kind of know why he got fired, but it's like I don't need to be angry at this. I, I just don't. Now it makes for a better. You could say, well, you John, you would have got, you would have had the same reaction whether it was 2009, Twitter didn't exist, and you just went read it on like si.com, right? Or you know the headline would have been on ESPN.com. Kenny Atkins is fired. Yeah. You still would have had the same thought. Yeah. That's probably the bad example. I, it's more like. Other people in the media's reaction to a story. It's like, this snowflake! And I'm like getting mad. It's like, oh my God, John. Why, who even cares? All right, a couple NFL stories. Uh, Calvin Watkins of the Dallas Morning News says that Dak Pres- Prescott has an offer on the table um, with $105 million guaranteed dollars in it. Take it or leave it? Uh, leave it. If, if, he can get if more. Jerry said take it or, if, if Jerry said take it or leave it and you were his agent, what would you say? Uh... I would say leave it. You wouldn't accept that? I think he'd get more money. Now, he'll get franchised, so I probably would take it. Yeah, I would take $105 million guaranteed. But Jerry doesn't get to say take it or leave it, right? So I wouldn't take this one. But you're right. If, if it was that or get tagged, I would take $105 million. I, I think that, to me, given that Wentz and Goff right around there, that, that seems more than fair, right? It's not like they're offering them yeah. some slap in the face. 82 million. It's like, guys, you know, can you give him like 95? 105 feels more than generous. A win win for a guy that I think there are questions on. We all like high character, good player. I, I got one for you. If he was a free agent, would he get more than 105 million dollars? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, Kirk got what did Kirk get? 90, 82? Yeah, I think I 86. 86. So, yeah, I think he's someone would give him that. I think so. You'd think, yeah. But you just, I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But he's young and high character, and he's pretty good. Face See, him. I, I, I guess Amari said that he wants to be a cowboy for life. He said that, like, multiple times. I, I just, Guy Haberman once had a take that Amari was a lock hall of famer, and I agreed with him. I don't know where I stand on Amari anymore. I don't have I, that take I, anymore, by the way. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like it. It looked like it looked he like was Jerry Rice, John, great guy. Yeah, well, he, but he was so good those first couple years. And the thing, here's the thing, guy. He still is really good. He had career highs last year. I've just seen some numbers floated around. Like I would struggle giving him like seventy million dollars guaranteed. And I, I think the problem is. This is where Jerry wants to get this contract done because you'd like to get Dak done and then be able to franchise him if the CBA passes. Because if you let Amari hit free agency, because you'd have to franchise Dak unless Tom Brady's coming, 
you're going to get into a bidding war. Just ha- think how many teams like around the league just need receivers. And there's never been – every year this happens in free agent. Well, there's never been more money in free agency. I, I, I could not get into a bidding war for Amari. And I'm someone like you who used to love the guy, but I, I'd have a price point. Yeah. Probably be about $50 million. And and I'd be I'm not naive enough to know. Well, someone's probably give him eighty. Well, fucking take it's it. It's tough. I mean, you spent a draft pick on the guy too to trade for him. First round pick. Yeah. How about Trent Williams? I kind of I just kind of assumed that uh, Ron Rivera would be able to smooth things over. Trent Williams would be back in Washington, but it's not going to be the case. Doesn't look like because he had permission to find a trade, and it seems like people are interested. The Browns, the Jets. Are interested in him. Um, the Hasn't Texans, played for a year. Is that good or bad though? Like on one hand, I, I don't. Th- might I, be good. I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. I, I was reading. I'd the forgotten. He's been, he's been suspended a couple times for weed. Now that's doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, he remember there was like a cancer scare because you remember he's like I got cancer and they think it was like nothing and that was like how the fight started. It's kind of it's just he is really good. Uh, could they get a first-round pick for him? Uh, Maybe. You think? He hasn't played in a year. He's 31. Yeah, he wants a new contract. That's another part of it. Could they get a second? Maybe. I mean, call, he's like a seven-time Call Bill bowler, O'Brien right? up. He is a seven-time pro bowler. Apparently, Laramie Tunzel needs, needs hurt. <laughs> I, I just remember and, left and, tackles. And, and Laramie Tunzel's a year away from free agency, so he's going to need an extension. To me, to me, the the tackle left tackles used to be like just a bunch like seven Anthony Munozes, all the top guys, just blue collared and didn't hear him bitch and moan. It does feel like the left tackles become a little empowered to act like uh, an NBA type player. Laramie Tunzel is like, yeah, I'll just get surgery when I need surgery. So, yeah, know, sorry, he's recovering like from surgery. That's the story. Uh, but he's gonna just, be. He's gonna. They're gonna need. Someone's gonna have to. They're gonna have to pay him soon. Well, they can, you know, it's one thing. The Cowboys did get two years out of Amari. So it's like, well, they let him go. They gave him a first, but he helped to make the playoffs. Ideally, you'd like to keep him forever, but whatever. To me, the Laramie Tunzel, they don't have a choice, right? They gave up two first-rounders and a second. They just, it's kind of like the Rams with Jalen Ramsey. It's not like, well, we'll see if the finances work out. No, once you fucking trade those picks, you 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 have no choice. You could argue, you could argue when you trade a first-round pick for a player, you almost and this is the the Cowboys should have extended Amari like last year, figured out a way. When you trade multiple ones, typically at least when I remember following sports, you usually immediately uh, sign that guy right. It's part of like the trade. It's like yeah, we're doing this deal right. and we sign a deal on the completion of the deal. Right. You got to give the Bears credit. Like yeah, we're mortgaging all these picks. Khalil, you are signing the contract the day you get here, and you're just a bear for life. By the way, but, uh, Bill Callahan is the is is on the Brown staff now. Bill Callahan, the former oh, okay. Washington head coach, yeah, I, is I, now I the Browns' O line coach. That makes sense. Uh, we talked last pod, John. We we predicted Steph Curry's line. We both actually independently predicted seventeen points. He came back with twenty three, seven assists, six rebounds. Played a really good game. They lost to Toronto. He was on a minutes restriction. Played twenty seven. Uh, everyone was fired up. That he's back, and then the team announced <laughs> that he has the flu, not coronavirus. They said, but the flu. So. Did you see the highest-rated TNT game of the year was Thursday night? I mean, here's a shocker. People watch Steph, right? Like, the Warriors the Warriors being good was great for the league. So, guess what? The Warriors being bad is bad for the NBA. Thank God they're coming back you next year. I did have the thought watching them, like, 
I do think they'll compete for championships, but even if they don't, just being not bad, just being good is going to be really valuable, not just for obviously them and Chase Center, but the, but the NBA. I, I, I think depending on who Because he's worth the get, price of admission. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they could be pretty legit, just depending on who they add. Do you have a... I, I, did you see the Draymond thing on Friday? Uh, I did see it, yeah. I didn't really, I'll admit to not watching the whole video and carrying that Well, much, Charles, didn't, Charles, he didn't say that much. He basically just said, made another joke about the triple singles. <laughs> like, he's just a true, he gets triple singles. And kind of called him a front runner. Like, you know, Draymond, when all the, your friends are there, you're cool. And now you're just, he's missed like eight straight games. And it's this, like the knee, it's like, Draymond, you were at a fight a couple weeks ago. You had your birthday party the other night. It feels a little fake. I think Draymond is one of the most remarkable heart and soul players I've ever seen. Like, a higher level Rodman. But I, I also think him just talking blatant shit about Charles. Draymond, Charles is a better player than you. Dramatically probably better. Like he's one of the probably the top 25 players. He won an MVP in the NBA when Michael Jordan was at his peak. So, I'm pro talking shit and all this stuff. But I think sometimes some of these younger guys act like Charles is just some clown. When you watch that that documentary on the Dream Team and all the dudes, like Chris Mullen, Magic is like, yeah, the second best player on this team, and it wasn't close, was Charles. And it was like, this was, it was Michael's team, but Charles was the right-hand guy. Like, those two guys eviscerated the world. Like, Charles is one of the greatest players in the, as an alpha led a team to the NBA Finals. Like, as the guy. I just, I'm a big Draymond guy. I just... And I get it. He talks some shit about you, so you got to fire back. But he kind of just acted like Charles is some clown. He doesn't belong talking about basketball. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, I, I think they're both wrong. Um, I think what makes Charles great is what would make Draymond great if he wanted to do what Charles does when his playing career is done. I think um, I would handle Draymond the same way. Like, I would not I would not play Draymond much this year and wouldn't have much issue. I think you said on the last podcast, you can't let Steph and Clay do all this stuff. Excuse me, and then expect, and then just like, but hey, Draymond, you got to show up every day. I know you're not hurt, and they are, but he's he. Yeah, hey man, hey man, you need to box out with Marquise. Chris. Like I, like obviously, Steph is on another level, but in terms of what the three of them d- delivered to the organization, they delivered it together, right? Steph's more valuable than any, but they delivered it together, and they should be treated as such, and they are being treated as such by the Warriors. So I get that externally you can have all these conversations about well he doesn't matter he like he's got to do this and he's got to do that it's like whatever man i think draymond has put his resume on the table it's pretty well established who he is and what he is and um i i don't think this is the year that we judge whether or not draymond can prove how much it means to him you know Comple- completely agree i i just he just acts like charles some clown yeah no i'm with you i, I i'm with you like, i i think some people forget like as someone said, do you, people understand Charles was Draymond, but like the Michael Jordan version of the offense. Like he's he ran the break faster than Draymond and could pass, and could average. What would peak Charles Barkley average in this league? Where Zion's getting twenty, no one could guard him down low. Thirty-five points, he would eviscerate this no, league. Right? Not hitting threes. Well, then thirty. I mean, he he guy. I mean, he LeBron, he averaged, like, LeBron's his, averaging like twenty-six. Yeah, but I, I mean, you're right. But 28. I mean, there had to be years where Charles averaged 26, 27 points. Yeah. In a league where he was fucking banging down low with the big guys, and there aren't big guys in the league. Right. 
You're right. I mean, it's not like you don't you can't play that game. But he would he would be one of the best players in the league, right? Yeah. Peak Charles Barkley yep. in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. He, is he a better player than Draymond? Uh, yeah, I think so. But I, I saw a tweet that if if Draymond was Charles, the Warriors would have won five straight championships. <laughs> is that fair? Or is there a defensive element that like? They would. It's hard yeah, to say. I don't like, know about that. Charles Barkley, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, but they, were, fucking but, but they were. But they could have won five straight with him. Yeah. So with Draymond. So I. I'm a Draymond guy. I just. I'm a Charles guy too. As a player. Agreed. Uh, big big week, John. Conference tournaments all begin this week. Some of them are finishing. I think the WCC's championship game. I think is Tuesday night, maybe. Um, because their semifinals are Monday night. Everything else, Big Ten Wednesday, SEC Wednesday, Big East Wednesday, ACC starts Tuesday, Big 12 starts Wednesday, Pac-12 starts Wednesday. Just a shout-out. I didn't uh, – the Pitt crew, which is – Oregon's pretty special, man, getting to be there on Saturday night. Like, second Big Five, Power Five, excuse me, program to ever win a, a women's basketball regular season, a football regular season, and a men's basketball regular season in the same academic year. Only Ohio State's done it was there for their game Saturday. The atmosphere was incredible. A couple of the students, the pit crew came up and gave me dry fit, an, an Oregon dry fit. Say, great to have you guys here, which was awesome. And then there was a guy who was delivering the stats who's a student. He's from the East Bay. I was in a rush because I was trying to, they wouldn't let me pee anywhere. I was trying to find a place to go to the bathroom during halftime. And he, we just happened to be standing next to each other. He started talking about the Warriors. So he's a listener. So man, I didn't get your name and I'm sorry, but DM me. Shout out to the Oregon student who's a listener be, from Lafayette be, be, in the East Bay. Be, be better guy. Piss comes second to the podcast. You know, you just it just distorts your mind when you're you gotta go. Know, when you're you gotta to, be, how bad how bad the you ushers go. are like stonewalling you from going to the VIP area. You don't want to be the guy. God damn it I'm calling no, this guy. I know you cannot be that guy. <laughs> you can't like oh my God guy I just, a him, I just guy. gave him like the tight lipped look of disappointment. But did you drop like, hey man, I'm calling the games no, or anyway? I had the pa- I said TV media, pa- whatever, not worth it. But um, yeah. but anyway, shout out to that guy. Uh, the dudes at Fox Haberman's over there, like, God damn it, this fucking network revolves around me. Check this is his uh, <laughs> third game this year. He's starting fights. A couple. Th- there was a moment at the at the at the combine where you got to like walk around to get into this room where it's like my shit's right here. I have to walk all the way around. It's protocol. I'm like, I've just filled up my water right here. And you could easily, you see like a couple people like, come on, let me in. And you just realize, okay, no problem. But what it, it takes it takes mature maturity to get to the point where you just can take a deep breath and realize, you know, it's not the fucking end of the world. But it's but your your old, like your 28-year-old you just wants to be like, God motherfucking damn it! I just want to walk in this goddamn door. My shit's right there. What the fuck are we doing? You know? Yep. And you know what's crazy, guys? Some people. When they're fifty, still snap like that. Yeah, they can't help it. No, no evolution. It's all about evolution. You're you're a better man than most. All right. On that note, peace. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.